As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. So, Mike, this week we did things a little differently. We did, didn't we? Yeah. So for the last two weeks, uh, we've broken down Bob Mesta's Jobs to be Done interviews with actual attendees of industry, your product conference. Yeah. And that's been an eye-opening experience for Paul, my partner for Product Collective and Industry, um, and me. It's just been really awesome. I, I can only imagine, right? And so if you haven't listened to parts one and two, where we actually play clips from the interviews that Bob Mesta did, go back and listen to those now. It's a little bit of a prerequisite for what you're about to hear today. Okay, so speaking of today, what are we getting ourselves into? (laughs) So as you know, I turned the mic on you and your co-founder, Paul, to get your reaction to Bob's interviews and try to figure out what you guys changed from from listening to those. Yeah, and you could have been a little bit nicer about it. I will say that, Michael. (laughs) 
know, I know. We only have 30 minutes, and I, I'm just, just trying to get to the good stuff. No, I'm just messing with you. No, it's funny because it's we'll do these interviews. We did them with Bob, and you know we spent all this time digging in with attendees, and then it still took us 25 minutes to get to the heart of what we learned from Bob. But that's honestly one of the biggest takeaways for me through this whole Jobs to Be Done experience is that it doesn't matter how many of these you do, it, you still have to force yourself to really dig in. Um, and we don't want to give away quite yet what you guys learn because we're going to get there. Okay. Um, but today on Rocket Ship, we're going to turn the tables and see how these jobs to be done interviews have affected the decisions you're making with industry. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. In season four of Rocket Ship, we are diving into everything product and growth. Rocket Ship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective, where your hosts, Michael Saka and Mike Belsito. All right, so where should we start? So first off, I wanted to get a sense of what you guys had done before these interviews to understand your customers, right? And so here's a clip from our interview of you describing what you had done before Bob Mesta stepped in. So I, for me, we always survey our attendees, right? So, and that, that's helpful. Like we ask all sorts of questions. We ask a NPS style question, but the, the problem is you don't really get a whole lot of context with that, right? Like somebody might say something in the comments, but they're not, it's still hard to understand what was actually behind their rating. And um, you know, for us, like we're trying to treat the conference like a product. Like we want to know which features aren't working, you know, which features are working, like what should we be introducing in the future that is brand new and like what are things that we should just forget about next time around. So for me, the interviews, they just bring a lot more light to all of that. Um, it just adds the kind of context that surveying really can. So we also did do interviews with attendees, right? We've done this for a while, but I I don't know. I just always felt like I wasn't necessarily getting deep enough and, or at least I was just questioning myself about it. And I don't know, for me, I only have so much time with those attendees, so I don't want to make it feel like I'm bothering them or coming off too pushy, you know? It's a tough position to be in, right? You're the host, you want to be friendly and respectful and you're always selling, but at the same time, you really want to figure out what their motivation is. And it's not always easy for people to express that. Exactly. Paul said something interesting during the interview that really stood out to me as a common concern for people building products, especially products that seem to have been validated with a market need. Yeah, so uh, it's interesting that when you create something that is scratching your own itch that you know is of high quality, um, and this probably could be said about software products as well as conferences like our own, um, and it attracts attention and people come to it, it almost, it fills some sort of hole in a market or an audience or some sort of void that just sucks people in. Um, but after a while, it's hard to know exactly why they're coming, um, other than the fact that you think what you've made is kind of awesome and it's not, you know, it's not something that you want to miss. So jobs to be done for us, for me, seemed like a good way of taking um taking a step back and really understanding the motivations of who's coming, actually who who is coming, what kind of people they are, what kind of challenges challenges that they were they facing in order uh, to make them make the decision to come to this conference and to see it as value. Yeah, and I definitely echo his sentiment here. I mean, we have speakers that focus on different topics. We have deep dive working sessions and there are networking aspects of the conference, but it's it's just still sometimes unclear 
which of those things actually makes the people want to attend or if they've already attended, like what keeps bringing them back? Yeah, I remember Bob saying, maybe it's just that they don't want to miss out, right? Maybe it's the right time of year when they need a break. It could be a bunch of stuff. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, we wanted to start to get to the bottom of all of that so we can have a better idea of how to even market the conference. Like maybe those new attendees, they should be marketed to much differently than those that have been to industry in the past. Maybe we need to keep showing previous attendees how much different it is this year so they don't want to miss out. Yeah, I love this clip from Paul because I feel like so many of us start out here um, when we're building a new product or even a new feature. It's easy to see that your product is very similar to some other product and then attach some um, marketing uh, verbiage um, to it. Like for our conference, at the, from the very start, we just wanted to look legitimate and professional and so we would use certain language in order to communicate that. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, then- it's always the first thing you do is open up all of your competitor sites and start rephrasing <laughs> some of the copy for yourself. So, so who is that competitor for you? Or who was it when you were starting out? Well, you know, it's not as if there were a ton of conferences that are specifically made for product people, but there are a couple really good ones that are out there too. Like Mind the Product, that's a conference that exists. um, It it takes place in San Francisco and London, and that's probably the most analogous conference to ours. Yeah, but as we all know, right, if you just copied their their playbook and their marketing copy, probably wouldn't get you too far. No. And to be fair, that's that's not what we were doing in the beginning. We didn't want to just, you know, be a replica of some other conference. We wanted to be our own. We wanted something that was, you know, different for product people. So yes, the other conferences were out there, but yeah, we wanted to do it our own way. And I remember Paul, he had a pretty nice way in the interview of sort of illustrating all of this. One one other thing there, and it, it, I was reminded of the conversation that we had with Jason Freed at last year's conference, and we were talking about copying. Um, well, we were actually talking about creating innovative and new ideas, um, and he criticized other um, software products for taking what they had done, and they were very no- well known for doing some really cool, innovative uh, marketing and um, and design work on their marketing sites. Um, and using that for themselves. But he insisted that it, there is no one size fits all. It, what works for them um, could be glossed over your product, but really you've got to really understand the, the, the depths of your, your customers' motivations to come up with something that is um, more effective. So you wanted to go deeper into why are people attending, what makes them tick you know, around industry, and listeners are probably wondering at this point, like, come on, guys, what <laughs> what did you actually learn? <laughs> We're getting there, right? Hey, I hope so. <laughs> so <laughs> all right. No, seriously, the, the first thing that came out in, in my interview with you was this. In the first two interviews, there were a couple things that, that came out that were really clear and it was unprompted on our end. And it was something that we had never really thought of before. One of those things specifically was you know, people were mentioning how it was important to them to get back to their office and share everything that they learned, um, you know, with their team, with their bosses, with with the rest of their teams, so they could kind of prove their, the, you know, the value of, of going. To yes, them. this is one of those features that I don't think we ever would have discovered if it wasn't 
going through this process and actually hearing it from attendees, like bring it up to us. And I don't even think that they knew they were bringing it up as a potential feature, but yeah, it was something that we just wouldn't have known about otherwise. There was this, it was actually like so important that there was some anxiety around it. Like people were, you know, kind of stressed out that they had to, you know, they felt like they had to take as awesome notes as they could so that they could share this back at the office with everybody. Well, I'll tell you, like after those two interviews, we started talking about on our end, hey, can this be like a benefit that we, it's sort of like a new feature that will include an industry where, you know, just by buying a ticket after the conference, we'll send you a PDF. It's a you know really nice, almost like a mini ebook, but with the show notes. With the- we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. Now, Back to the show. So another really interesting thing that came out of these interviews that that I picked up from from talking to you guys was how much effort it was for people to make that trip, right? It wasn't just about the expense or trying to get their company to pay for it. It was a lot more than that. So it was important to understand the friction that that person might have to get over in order to attend. For instance, um, a person was talking about the impact that this conference had on their family. And so... Even though this person was able to decide to go to the conference at a drop of the hat, um, by digging in deeper, and, and Bob did a great job here in just digging in deeper and really understanding um, what that person had to go through in order to make a decision to go to the conference, we understood that there was um, a conversation with his wife. Uh, there was uh, He had to um, make sure that there wasn't going to be impact on school runs, um, that he didn't necessarily want to travel at all at a weekend. So, um, you know, our first event actually was on a Friday, Saturday, and then we moved it to a Thursday, Friday. And now it makes sense to us just to do it on a Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, And so that was kind of. Yeah, this was something we realized before these interviews, but it absolutely is validated once we had a better understanding of why people were attending so much that we actually changed the days that we hosted the conference on, which actually for any conference organizer, that's kind of a risky move, uh, you know, when you're changing around the actual days that the conference will take place. I bet. I bet. And and I'd imagine that having a better understanding of just how much effort it is for people to attend gives you some ideas of what type of material to send them to encourage them that this is actually a good decision. Yeah. And and that's exactly what we're working on right now. Um, It's definitely, you know, it's a lot of responsibility to know that while we're producing this conference, we have to provide value because people actually given up a lot to be here, whether it's an investment in money, but for a lot of these folks, it's more important to them to have that investment in time. Yeah, that's a, a great reminder, right? To to keep pushing you to produce a better and better product and knowing how much people are giving up and how much they're actually investing in just to be there. Yes, for sure. So did we get to the role of the product manager yet? I was going there next, right? So I thought this insight was really valuable. Here's your co-founder, Paul. It's funny. We keep on hearing this theme of uh, product managers that have been parachuted into the role. And they've somebody's either pushed them and said, hey, you're a product manager, or 
they're doing a job and then they look around and they say, hey, I'm a, I'm a product manager. And it's not that they're clueless, but they don't have a clear direction on, in which they are going. And Bob actually kind of very eloquently summed up um, one of the big jobs that we're trying to solve is that um, we're, we're doing all this uh, good work. We've got a big project, but we just need the confidence to know that we're going in the right direction. And that was, that was a big job, I think, that he identified um, and it kind of sums up a lot. But, um, you know, you have a, a product person working in, um, say, like a healthcare industry working on software there, and they see what a product person in, um, uh, like, a HubSpot or Google are working on. Um, but they, they need the perspective of, of that company. They need to look beyond the industry that they're in to see how other product people are um, approaching their craft, as one of the guys said. Um, and so even if they're not necessarily learning a huge amount from them in terms of um, best practices, um, it's very valuable for them to orient themselves and know that they're going in the right direction. This is so true. And it's part of the reason why I think we had at least some level of success right out of the gate. There's this huge hole in education around product management and the role of a product manager. And people are just hungry for knowledge and for validation about what it is that they're doing and how they're approaching that. And next year, based on these interviews, it sounds like you're starting to make some big changes to what the conference will be and what what the offering will be. This clip stood out for me from our interview. One example is on day two of the industry and a day two of industry. Um, previously, like the past three years, it's always been a single track conference. So it's always been one set of speakers that ev- absolutely everybody will go through and listen to. This year is different. So for 2018, day two will be much more interactive. Um, part of that, actually, the, a big reason we're making that change, it's coming directly from attendee interviews that we did, where people said that it was it was awesome, but I was exhausted after two full days of just being able to sit through speaker after speaker. And it's great. I, I'm glad that I got to do it. and I'm glad that I learned, but it would be great if there was some sort of way to make it more interactive. Oh yeah. This is going to be one of the biggest product changes that we make. And actually it's one that I am really excited about. I'm also a little bit scared because it's such a big change that we're making, but honestly, I'm, I'm really, really pumped about it. Yeah. One of the things that seemed almost counterintuitive when we, when you were talking about what you were learning from the jobs to be done interviews was that you needed more space, right? So usually when I would think about a conference, it's how do you make it bigger? You're going to pack more speakers in, pack more days. Um, but you actually talked about having more space in the conference. Yeah, I mean, it's space both in the physical sense and also, honestly, some like mental space. I mean, these attendees were telling us, hey, like, this is awesome. These are amazing speakers, but it's two full days. Like, this is a lot to be sitting in the same chair. You know, you go through the talks. We want to network with people, but you know, how do we just sort of get moving around? How could this be more interactive? So, yeah, and that's uh, 2018. It's we're trying to answer that question. Yeah. So you already started changing some of the marketing based on these interviews. Like right after both of those interviews, one like one other common refrain that we heard is like with both of the folks we talked to, because it was two interviews we've had so far and we're planning more. Um, the ones specifically with Bob, that is, where we go really deep with the attendee. But they're saying like, hey, you know, basically the reason I'm coming is like this whole product management stuff, it's hard. Like. I don't know if we're doing this right. And, you know, this isn't something I went to school for. Nobody went to school for this. So we're trying to, I think Paul mentioned before, like have more confidence in what we're doing. 
Well, right on the main website. I mean, I think it was the next day we changed the main heading right under, you know, right when you get to industry, it says register today. You can scroll down. The first thing you see when you scroll down, it says building world-class software products is hard. Will it be used? Do I have the right skills? How much will it cost? Like that whole thing didn't exist before. When we we literally heard some of those phrases, we added that right away. This is why these are so valuable. Yeah, I, I love this. Taking phrases directly from the customer interviews and integrating into the landing page copy. Uh, th- this was the one I had to fight to get out of you guys. Well, I'm glad that you kept pushing. I definitely am glad for that. <laughs> So here's how Paul described the the evolution of the idea in his head. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting. This is actually a, one of the the biggest outcomes I think we had, and I'm not quite sure it took us long to describe it. But um, there was a picture of a person, a product manager, certainly in my head, and it was one of confusion. And they were asking themselves, geez, do, do I even have the skills to do this? Or, and now, as if this wasn't enough... Paul came to a kind of realization about the job of industry and the role that he plays in it. I, I, I feel like no matter how serious the topic, conferences are show business. You're, you're, you're playing to people's emotions. You want to get people in. You want them to feel good from start to finish. And afterwards, you just want them to feel good. And you may feel good because they met people or because they, you know, you, you gave them the right content, whatever. But, um, for, for us, a huge part of our our motivations is to put on something that makes people feel good, and so um, we put a lot of effort into that. From you know the you know the cafes that we have to the content to the the tone of voice that we, that Mike and I have on stage. I, I think I've personally found myself in the situation of putting on a conference um, by always kind of I think I've always been a bit of a people pleaser and I, I like to put on a bit of a show and so uh, my brother actually uh, has approached it puts on stage shows now but he followed a more traditional route in, in being a professional dancer um, but we've we're both doing the exact same job now it's just a different audience and so um, you know you do have to understand your audience very hard but then deliver to them uh, an experience that will put a smile on their face and um, that's what, yeah, that's one of the biggest things that kind of drives me to make the experience as good as possible. Yeah, and this is kind of what I meant before when I said we're trying to approach things differently. Like Paul, he comes from a family that you know was in river dance, right? Like talk about a huge production. Uh, and Paul, you know, he talks about show business, you know, in industry. Like how can we put on a show? How can we put on a show that not only people are getting awesome information from, they're learning how to be a better product person, but we want those people to enjoy themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I I, feel like through some of these interviews, he's really started to, I don't know, consciously embody that too, whereas maybe unconsciously before, but he articulates it so well. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right about that. And I think that's one of the reasons why he likes that we're continuing to do these interviews. Well, I love it. I'm excited. And I'm glad we got to learn from this, from a little seeing a bit of the, the behind the scenes process here. Yeah, well, and hopefully people appreciate it. Like I am definitely... Definitely opening up the kimono here a little bit. I'm not, you know, I'm sharing some things that maybe we normally wouldn't be so open about, but I think it will be helpful to other people. And so that's why we're doing it. Absolutely. Well, I, I guess we'll just leave it here. Um, and if people have questions, hit us up. And if not, we'll hopefully be back next week. Sounds good. 
If you want to find out more about Rocketship.fm, go to Rocketship.fm. It's pretty simple, right? Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, so you don't miss future episodes in this series. And if you like today's episode, tell a friend. Or two friends, or a lot of friends. We would love it if you would spread the word. And when you can, go to Rocketship.fm and scroll all the way down and leave your email with us. We'll let you know about upcoming episodes, but we'll also get you in on a Slack channel with thousands of other product people and all sorts of other good stuff that we know you'll be interested in. So go to Rocketship.fm and sign up for our newsletter. If you enjoy this content, leave us a quick review. Um, or tell a friend, or share the link on Twitter. Anything helps to get the word out about the show. We really appreciate it. We'll be right back here in just a couple of days. Thank you.